Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. It's nice to be with you. So how are you guys doing? Wonderful night and got enough sleep. I am um, finding out right now my body doesn't want more than about five and a half hours of sleep for some reason. I'm like, please let me sleep more. But maybe, maybe it's the, uh, I don't know, running around we're doing. We'll have to see what's going on. But I feel awake and I feel good. Was up early about 5.30. And and I'm just now getting going on getting everything organized, figured out right before I got going here that I didn't have my phone. So I'll be reading off the iPad today, not quite staring into the camera, but it's pretty close. So, uh, and forgive me if Telegram's not pulling up right because I wasn't able to start it. Normally started on my phone, started on the iPad today, and right now it's acting up. But it should be working on the other formats. And please, if you if you want to, make use of the um, the button there on the homepage on uh, Watch Live. That way we can have a kind of a little community online. We'll see if that works for us or not. But as you can see, we're in 2 Kings 17, Isaiah 13, Romans 1. We'll look at this day in trivia. Not a bunch of stuff that was that exciting to me. Good quote, though, from uh, Dostoevsky, the, the Russian philosopher. Back in the 1800s, the late 1800s, he said, tolerance re- will reach such a level that intelligent people will be banned from thinking so as not to offend the imbeciles. Boy, we are really close to that. Really, really close to that. Star Trek was started on this day in 1966. First ever debut 1966 I think I was there I remember Star Trek very first episode as far as I remember the V2 rocket Germany launches its first V2 rocket on this day striking London and Antwerp during World War II Uh, they were impossible virtually impossible to stop and it really really changed the, the course of war and Pledge of Allegiance first published in September 1892. And the Youth's Companion by Francis Bellamy. And uh, changes were made over the years, including adding the words under God in 1954. Thank the Lord Bellamy, a devout Christian who believed in the absolute separation of church and state, did not include the phrase under God in his original pledge. Bellamy also described what became known as the Bellamy Salute as the proper way to salute the flag while reciting the pledge. Due to its resemblance to the Nazi salute, the pledge was replaced with the hand over the heart. And that'll do it for today. We'll look over at the dad jokes, see if we got a dad joke lined up for today. Okay, um, what is brown and sticky? A stick. There are the dad jokes, okay? I ordered a chicken and an egg online. (laughs) I'll let you know. (laughs) 
In other words, which one was going to arrive first. The best way to communicate with a fish is to drop them a line. <laughs> I like that one. Okay, let's move over to the reading for today. And I was like looking for my looking for my um, remote control, but we're remoting off the iPad this morning. So if you'll bear with me. Father, thank you for our time. Guide us as we look into these things and we can um, always glean certain truths, certain things that you want us to see. So God, just open up our eyes and our hearts to these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in Second Kings 17. I'll try and get the flash down from the reflection of this thing. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, of king of Judah, Hosea, son of Ella, became king over Israel in Samaria and reigned nine years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, only not as the kings of Israel who were before him. Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against him, and Hosea came his servant and paid tribute to him. But the king of Assyria found conspiracy in Hosea, who had sent messengers to So, king of Egypt, who had offered no tribute to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. So the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Then the king of Assyria invaded the whole land and went up to Samaria and besieged it three years. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria and carried Israel away into exile to Assyria and settled them in Hala and Habor on the river of Gozan in the cities of the Medes. Verse 7. Now this came about because the sons of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them up from the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt and they had feared other gods and walked in the customs of the nations whom the Lord had driven out before the sons of Israel, and in the customs of the kings of Israel, which they had introduced. The sons of Israel did things secretly, which were not right against the Lord their God. Moreover, they built for themselves high places in all their towns, from watchtower to fortified city. They set for themselves sacred pillars and Asherim on every high hill and under every green tree. And there they burned incense on all the high places as the nation did, which the Lord had carried away to exile before them. And they did evil. They did evil things provoking the Lord. They served idols concerning which the Lord had said to them, You shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments, my statutes, according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent you through my servants, the prophets. However, they did not listen, but stiffened their necks like their fathers who did not believe in the Lord their God. They rejected his statutes and his covenants, which he made with their fathers and his warning, which he warned them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went after the nations which surrounded them concerning which the Lord had commanded them not to do like them. They forsook all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves molten images, even two calves, and made an Asherah and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. Then they made their sons and their daughters pass through the fire and practiced divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him. 
So the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his sight. None was left except the tribe of Judah. Also Judah did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the customs which Israel had introduced. The Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel and afflicted them and gave them into the hand of the plunderers until he cast them out of his sight. Verse 21. When he had torn Israel from the house of David, they made Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, king. Then Jeroboam drove Israel away from following the Lord and made them commit a great sin. The sons of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did, and they did not depart from them until the Lord removed Israel from his sight. As he spoke through all his servants and prophets, so Israel was carried away into exile from their own land to Assyria until this day. Verse 24. The king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Kutha and from Ava and from Hamath and Sepharvavim and settled them in the cities of Samaria in a place of the sons of Israel. So they possessed Samaria and lived in the cities. At the beginning of their living there, they did not fear the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So they spoke to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations whom you have carried away into exile into the cities of Samaria do not know the custom of the God of the land. So he has sent lions among them, and behold, they kill them because they do not know the custom of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Take there's one of the priests whom you carried away into exile, and let him go and live there. And let him teach them the custom of the God of the land. So one of the priests whom they had carried away into exile from Samaria came and lived at Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. But every nation still made gods of the, its own and put them in the house of the high places which the people of Samaria had made every nation in their cities in which they lived. The men of Babylon came, made Sukkoth, Benoth, the men of Kut, Kuth made Nergal, the men of Hamath made Ashima, and the, the Avites made Nibhaz and Tartak, and the Sepharvites burned their children in the fire to Adramelech and Anamelech, the gods of Sepharvium. They also feared the Lord and appointed from among themselves priests of the high places who acted for them in the houses of the high places. They feared the Lord and served their own gods according to the custom of the nations from among whom they had been exiled or carried away into exile. To this day they do according to the earlier customs. They do not fear the Lord, nor do they follow their statutes or the ordinances of the law or the commandments which the Lord commanded the sons of Jacob, whom he named Israel, with whom the Lord made a covenant and commanded them, saying, You shall not fear the gods, nor bow down bow down yourselves to them, or serve them, nor sacrifice to them. But the Lord, who brought you up from the land of Egypt with great power and with an outstretched arm, him you shall fear, and to him you shall bow yourselves down, and to him you shall sacrifice. The statutes and the ordinances and the laws and the commandments which he wrote for you, you shall observe to do forever, and you shall not fear other gods. The covenant that I have made with you, you shall not forget, nor shall you fear other gods. But the Lord your God 
you shall fear, and he will deliver you from the hand of all your enemies. However, they did not listen, but they did according to their earlier custom. So while these nations feared the Lord, they also served their idols, their children likewise, and their grandchildren, as their fathers did, so they do to this day. Well, you can see the influence on fathers and families, on your faith, on your customs. God made it very clear in in the law, follow me, you'll be blessed. Follow me, I'll protect you from all your enemies. Very simple, God always keeps his promises, his covenants, as we covered last night. And yet they said, yeah, but mom and dad, they didn't do it. They, They went off and they were partying all the time and serving all these other gods where they could get drunk and have a good time, do drugs. So we want to do the same thing. Their children, likewise, and their grandchildren, it says, did as their fathers did, and they kept doing it. So sad. It takes a very strong person to stand up in a family and say, not going to do that. I'm going to follow what the Bible says. I'm going to follow what Jesus says. Not what our custom says, not what the church says through our ritual and tradition, but what the Bible says. Makes sense a strong person to do that. And oftentimes you're that person. I mean, you're probably that person because so many of us find us isolate ourselves, isolated amongst our families and grandparents when we make a strong stand for our faith. But God is faithful. (laughs) He will be there. He will help you through those times and strengthen you. Because if you don't, you get this kind of result. Yes, we don't live in the Old Testament, but the principle is follow the Lord and you you will have him there for you in those battles in those dark times in some way shape or form they had it in a very powerful physical way he would literally not allow the enemy to overcome them they would literally have rain and crops and everything and yet they still rejected the Lord their God so God says for that reason I'm sending you into captivity So here we have what happened. Jeroboam, kind of jumping ahead a little bit here chronologically, but Jeroboam comes in, sets up those golden calves in the north. They all depart. They don't go worship God anymore. It wasn't the political separation as much as it was the spiritual separation. They were separating themselves from Yahweh and from worshiping and going to the temple. And and Jeroboam didn't want to lose any any of his political (laughs) base, So he doesn't want them to go to Jerusalem, so he sets up his own idols and saying, here, Israel, are your gods. And this was their major mistake. They accepted it. Isaiah 13 now. The oracle concerning Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos saw. Lift up a standard on a bare hill. Raise your voice to them. Wave the hand that they may enter the doors of the nobles. I have commanded my consecrated ones. I have even called my mighty warriors, my proudly exalting ones, to execute my anger, the sound of a tumult on the mountains, like that of many people, a sound of the uproar of kingdoms, of nations gathered together. The Lord of hosts is mustering the army for battle. They are coming from a far country, from the farest horizons, the Lord and his instruments of indignation to destroy the whole land, the judgment on the day of the Lord. Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore, all hands 
will fall limp and every man's heart will melt. They will be terrified. Pains and anguish will take hold of them. They will writhe like a woman in labor. They will look at one another in astonishment, their faces aflame. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel with fury and burning anger, to make the land a desolation, and he will exterminate its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash forth their light. The sun will be dark when it rises. The moon will not shed its light. Thus I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will also put an end to the arrogance of the proud and abase the haughtiness of the ruthless. I will make mortal man scarcer than pure gold and the mankind than the gold of Ophir. Therefore I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will be shaken from its place and the fury of the Lord of hosts in that day in his burning anger. And it will be that like a haunted gazelle or like sheep with none to gather them, they will each turn to his own people and each one flee to his own land. Anyone who is found will be thrust through and anyone who is captured will fall by the sword. The little ones will also be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses will be plundered and their wives ravished. Babylon will fall to the Medes. Behold, I am going to stir up the Medes against them. Who will not value silver or take pleasure in gold? And their bows will mow down the young men, and they will not even have compassion on the fruit of the womb. Nor will their eye have pity on children. And Babylon, the beauty of the kingdoms, the glory of the Chaldeans' pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It will never be inhabited or lived in from generation to generation. Nor will Arab pitch his tent there. Nor will the shepherds make their flocks lie down there. But desert creatures will lie down there, and their houses will be full of owls. Ostriches also will live there, and shaggy goats will frolic there. Hyenas will howl in their fortified towers and jackals in their luxurious palaces. Her fateful time also will soon come, and her days will not be prolonged. Judgment against Babylon for their um, cruelty and, and their coming against Israel. God uses ungodly people and ungodly nations often to judge his own people. But then once his purpose is accomplished for the judgment of Israel, then he says, now I'm going to judge Babylon because of your unfaithfulness to me, your cruelty. Of course, all nations had the opportunity to follow Yahweh there at the Tower of Babel, after the flood, of course, but then also at the Tower of Babel, they had a choice to follow Nimrod and the fallen the fallen angelic host, the various fallen ones, or to maintain or come back to following Yahweh. They chose to follow the fallen ones. And so this is God's judgment upon them, delayed, but also double. They are also coming against Israel. So... Interesting, God can use those who want to come against Israel. They, they wanted to come against Israel, but God allows it, but then they have to pay the price in the future. So it's interesting how God worked through the Old Testament. And again, it's a reminder that God does not require that a person be um, 
a complete believer or dedicated to God or surrendered to him as Lord to be used in a powerful way in a governmental setting, God can use unsaved kings and nations to accomplish his purposes. This is why we don't insist as Christians that we have to have a Christian president. It'd be nice, but God raises up kings and brings them down, and the fact is the majority of all of them throughout the history of the world have never really believed in him. There's been a few, but by and large have all been dedicated to foreign gods, other gods, or just completely atheistic and, and everything. Romans 1 now, my, what would you call it, life chapter something, chapter through which I got saved, and I was thinking about that this morning as we are preparing, saying, you know, the guy who read this chapter, my first ever Bible study that I went to on campus, did not have a clue that just reading this, by just reading this, my destiny potentially of going to hell was completely changed. I was transformed and born again from him reading this. I don't remember a word that he said after he read this, any of his commentary, nothing. I just was slain right through double-edged sword of the word from what he read and was in shock spiritual total shock and he never knew (laughs) i'd love to find him run into him someday and say you have no idea how powerful the word of god is you just read it and i got saved that's how it should work i think that's how it should work all glory goes to god um and and i don't sadly i don't even remember his name wonderful leader great guy had a heart for god for sure but um God in the Holy Spirit is what, who changes. We who read it, we who expound on it, are just his tools. And it's that's the way it should be. People should walk out remembering the Lord and the Word and not the messenger. Romans, now, chapter 1. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophet in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, whom was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection of the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his namesake, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God, whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Always in my prayers making request, if perhaps now, at last by the will of God, that I may succeed in coming to you for i long to see you so that i may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established that is that i may be encouraged together with you while among you each of us by the other's faith both yours and mine i do not want you to be unaware brethren that often i have planned to come to you and i have been prevented so far so that i may obtain some fruit among you also even as among the rest of the gentiles 
I am under obligation both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire towards one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see it fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Being filled with an with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Now for me, I worshipped and served the, the creature rather than the creator. As a New Ager, Hindu, you know, we had gurus. And when he read that, that I worshipped the, cre- the creation and the creature rather than the creator, it hit me. I was like, wow, that is exactly what I do. And that it's evident, the truth of God is evident in his creation. I spent a lot of time in the wilderness camping, flying up in the mountains, up in the sky, always being around God's creation and marveling at it, watching the sunsets. And and it was evident God was there. God was real. And so you see the downward spiral of man as he knows about God but chooses not to follow. And professing to be wise, they become fools. So many people profess, you know, I professed to be wise in the New Age movement. I really thought that I was much smarter than Christians. I really thought Christians were dumb. You just accept some dumb religion of a dead guy, you know, to, and follow this religious system. 
of course, my church experience didn't help that because I was never exposed to the real gospel. But um, I was a fool, and it took a powerful um, Holy Spirit slain in the Spirit. You know, that's to me, is the right slain in the Spirit. It's when the knife goes right to the, the very soul of the bone and marrow, and you feel filleted, you feel completely wide open, exposed. Your sin just kind of is exposed to the holiness and, and the God. It's you and God. And you realize who you are standing before a holy God that he's finally broken through. And you realize that you, you're dead. And I mean, it's like all the prophets and John and, and Elijah. And who can stand before a holy God? Who can see God and live? That's kind of how I felt. How can I even go on now that I've been my unholiness has been revealed has that I can see it for what it is and God sees it for what it is that in my mind is being slain in the spirit you die so that Christ can live in you and you yield up all of that unrighteousness and sin and you allow Jesus to take it upon himself take it to the cross and you allow him to be your propitiation this is why it was a process for me I, I've felt exposed and I felt I was admitted I, you you know that I was so wrong God was so right and I had been looking in the wrong direction all this time but it was a bit of a process over a two-week period until then as I felt I had given up I had been defeated God was now saying <laughs> you know I am the Lord thy God and I was dead before him it took a little bit of understanding, a little bit more coaching through the word to understand, okay, now I need to ask him to be Lord. I need to ask him to save me and be my Lord and Savior. I think unconsciously I did that in that Bible study, but it wasn't until I went to the Christian concert and there was a call for a profession of faith where I stood up and made that profession that I broke the rest of the way and felt the completed work in Christ. And so I don't know how that works. I don't know if, if if that is even possible, but that's how it felt. And so Romans chapter one, very special chapter. And of course, the most hotly debated chapter. This is even illegal now to read in Canada, certain places trying to get banned. They're trying to get people to ban this, ban this whole book because it mentions homosexuality as a sin. And you see the spiral. Once you start considering yourself to be wise, and you know that there's a truth about God, but you reject it, and you worship the creation, which leads you into some kind of idolatry. Um, you know, modern idolatry may not have the same flair, the same kind of it, kind of idols that they did back then, but they're still idols, and you still fall into that you're worshiping something. And that downward spiral leads you into depravity. That's what it says. It says you're going to continue to spiral down until you start rebelling against all the natural order of creation, how God created us. And therefore, God says, and it's not just that homosexuality is what everybody focuses on, but 
they become slanderers and haters and um, inventors of evil. You see all these things described here. All of the things that happen when you reject God and go down that dark path and allow the the dark spirits of this world to then gain lordship over your life. And so uh, now it becomes a fight in the church to even read this book and their churches no longer read it for the political correctness thing. But we've got to be we've got to be who we are. We are children of the light. We walk in the light, people of the word, and if it says it, we read it, we follow it. Charles Spurgeon, broken and smoking. Hmm, I wonder if he smoked. <laughs> Just kidding. A bruised reed, actually he did smoke, he smoked cigars. A bruised reed shall not break any smoking flax, he will not quench. Then I may reckon upon tender treatment of my Lord. Indeed, I feel myself to be at best as weak, as plaintant, as worthless as a reed. Someone said, I don't care, a rush for you. And the speech, though unkind, was not untrue. Alas, I am worse than a reed when it grows by the river, for that at least can hold up its head. I am bruised sorely, sadly bruised. There's no music in me now. There is a rift which lets out all the melody. I, me, yet Jesus will not break me. And if he will not, then I mind little what others try to do. O sweet and compassionate Lord, I nestle down beneath thy protection and forget my bruises. Truly, I am also fit to be likened to the smoking flax, whose light is gone, and only its smoke remains. I fear I am rather a nuisance than a benefit. My fear tells me that the devil has blown out my light and let me be an obnoxious smoke, and that my Lord will soon put an extinguisher upon me. Yet I perceive that though... There were snuffers under the law. There were no extinguishers, and Jesus will not quench me. Therefore, I am hopeful. Lord, kindle me anew and cause me to shine forth to thy glory and to extolling of thy tenderness. It would be wonderful to be able to write like that and describe things. Some people have that phenomenal giftedness for those kinds of poetic language. Um, So, again, Spurgeon sees himself as weak and bruised and smoking, not even able to burn bright enough to or to have enough of I guess in one sense of the Holy Spirit to burn bright for the Lord he needs God to sustain him. But the whole thing of bruised read he will not break. God will take the broken and make them upright. He will take that which is smoking and fan it by the flame of his Holy Spirit and bring it back on fire and to use it for his kingdom so that we can shine a light. So it's, it's beautiful imagery. It's beautiful, uh, it's beautiful knowledge that he uses the weak and the fragile things of the world to confound the wise, to bring in truth. And so we can always rejoice in that which he's doing within us because none of us think that we are... God's gift to humanity. We know that we don't have all the gifts. Not many are wise. So we we can simply thank him for what he's doing. So Father, we do thank you this morning for this wonderful time we've spent with you. May you continue, God, to, to raise us up and to 
continue your work within us to help us be the lights within the areas that we serve, where we work in our families. Thank you for that. Thank you for being our Lord and our Savior. Thank you for the way your word has transformed our lives and continues to transform them. Transform them. And for those coming, anyone searching that stumbles upon this, this live feed or the podcast, God, may you do the same as you did in me. May it simply be your word, using the power of your word, which is the living water, the bread of life, that these beautiful people might hear believe and receive the gift of eternal life, be transformed for an eternity, come out of darkness and and into glorious light and have this wonderful, wonderful relationship that we call being a Christian to walk with you. We thank you, God, for allowing the evangelism team to go out and share that message. Pray that you bless them as they go out this evening. Give them passion, give them fire, Give them the right words, God, to speak. So important that you be speaking through them just the right way at the right time. Pray for Santana, my little friend I met there the other week, that you might continue to speak to him and use the evangelism team to find him and reach out. And the other people they've had these long conversations with week after week, God, bring them into the light. Bring them into the fellowship. Help them to meet people where they're at. Pray as well for the mission and all the organization and all the the, um, the work going on out there that you may help us complete it, organize it, and bless the kids, our workers that are out there, God, that are not safe. May you continue to, to use that place as a strong witness through just being there and ourselves as well as we speak to them, that they could come to know you. So thank you for this day. Ask your continued healing upon Juan Carlos and your healing uh, upon uh, Susie with uh, things she's going through with her balance, healing upon Hank's wife. Hopefully she got a meeting with um, the doctors and uh, Celeste and Raquel and her back. So many people got dealing with some very difficult things. The uh, Kim, she'd be feeling much better and stronger, as well as her kids that all of the people that are going through so many difficulties could just be healed. God, thank you for your healing touch. Thank you for this beautiful day, and we give it all over to you for your guidance and for your strength in us to work in the lives of other people. In Jesus' name, amen. That will do it. So, look forward to seeing you guys again tomorrow, same time. I should have my phone working by then. And get everything back on track. And Telegram, sorry, I couldn't get Telegram up today. But we will try again tomorrow. So we will see you then. Till then, God bless. Bye-bye.